Welcome to Round Rock Church of Christ. We're glad you're listening. If you're in the Austin area, we'd love to have you join us this Sunday at 8.30 or 10 a.m. Or you can check us out and watch online at roundrockchurch.us. May God bless you as you seek Him, and may He use this message to give you exactly what you need. God sure does great things, right? I'm so uh, thankful for the testimonies of people here. Um, Sloan brought us a word of wonder this morning from God that is enchanting. And uh, I just want to stop now uh, before we get going and just pray uh, together. So would you pray with me? God of wonder, God of last year and this year, we are here before you today. God, we ask for you to be present with us this morning, that you would give us insight and wisdom and exactly what we need as we come before you. We love you, Lord, and we ask that you bless us today. Amen. I wonder, did those Christmas presents hit the spot? Or how about that inordinate amount of chocolate you ate or the unnecessary amount of money you spent on Starbucks holiday drinks? Speaking to our family on that one for sure. Did that first workout of the year change your life? Did that New Year's Eve cocktail or cocktails erase all those empty feelings? Did the wiping of the calendar wipe out the pain from the day before or the year before? Has the change of time cured all? The cancer resurgence, the job loss, the inflation, the broken relationships, the infertility, the privilege, the shame, the comfort, the self-absorption. Did, did the year change fill you with a wonder that will last? Tomorrow, next week, next year, over the next decade? My guess is probably not. But what if I told you that two women over 2,000 years ago actually hold the key to the wonder we long for? The wonder and awe we hope to be filled by today and the, the wonder we tend to search for in all the wrong places. If you're honest with yourself, you've dabbled there. In the wrong places. And today we're not signing up for New Year's resolutions. Rather, God is inviting us to see a wonder in every moment of what has been, what has come, and what will come when Jesus returns. Thank God for the stories of Elizabeth and Mary, two moms who flipped the world right side up in a way that might just unlock us to feel a wonder that lasts. Good morning. Uh, my name is Matt Delano. I'm one of the ministers at this church. Uh, Happy New Year. Man, y'all seem excited. <laughs> now, I hope everybody got some extra rest this morning. Maybe you got that first workout in of the year, or you got to experience the symphony of snoozes, right, as you're avoiding the workout at all costs. We are so thrilled you're here, whether you worked out this morning or not, uh, whether you stayed up till midnight last night or not. Uh, we are thrilled you're with us. And if you're visiting with us, we'd love to catch up with you after service um, and get to know you. 
This morning, whether you've been with us or not, um, just to let you know, we are diving into the last part of a series called Wonderland, a series where this season we have dwelt with remembering and receiving the good news that God has made a home with us in a way that fills us with wonder, that changes everything about how we prepare for God's arrival as a baby in the past, but also as we prepare and anticipate the arrival of Jesus again. A Jesus who will take us to a wonder-filled existence that we can't quite fathom. This morning, we find ourselves looking into a meeting within the story of Jesus' birth. And I'll admit, I don't know if I've ever paused with this story long enough to actually glean the wonder and wisdom out of it. Whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, uh, thanks to the hymns of the past or pop culture, you probably know the stories that are sandwiched around our scene from today. To start the sandwich, you have the story of the angel Gabriel appearing to Mary. With some important news, right? He says, heads up. You're going to get pregnant, it's going to be the Son of God. (laughs) Get ready. And then on the back end of the sandwich, we have something called the Magnificat, Mary's song. It's her voice lifted up to the world, telling the world who is to come and the baby that's in her womb. And it's also her praise of thanksgiving for the work that God has chosen to do specifically through her. Beautiful stories and scenes of wonder, but... The story that captivates me and I think changes the way we look at delight is actually found in a story of hurried delight and overflowing wonder. You can find the scenes in or the scene in Luke 1, 38 through 45. I'll have this on the screen for you to follow along, but if you do want to follow in your Bible, you can just find the New Testament, which is the second part of the of the Bible, and Luke is after Mark and before John. And just to set the scene a little bit, I just mentioned Mary has just received a vision. And she's not just received a vision, she's received a baby by way of the Holy Spirit. And I don't know about you, but I kind of decided to maybe go through a list of things, right, that I would be thinking if that happened, right? I probably would be crying, I probably maybe would be running away or hiding. And what's fascinating, I would definitely be praying, I imagine, But what's fascinating is that we don't hear anything about Mary's situation except for the fact that she says to the angel, I am the Lord's servant. Let it be with me just as you have said. That's all she says. But I do wonder, she has to be thinking, right, how do I explain this to anyone, right? How do I explain that the Holy Spirit is the father of my child? I don't know, right? (laughs) So we read in the story, as I mentioned, Mary got up after this experience, and it says she hurried to a city in the Judean highlands. She entered Zechariah's house and greeted Elizabeth. Zechariah may be familiar to you. He was just mentioned at the beginning of Luke. And what's fascinating at this point that you may or may not know is that Zechariah can't speak right now. His lips are locked up. Remember that. So Mary enters Zechariah's house and greets Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leaped 
in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And with a loud voice she blurted out, God has blessed you above all women, and he has blessed the child you carry. Elizabeth says, why do I have this honor? That the mother of my Lord should come to me. As soon as I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. Blessed or happy is she who believed that the Lord would fulfill the promises he made to her. Wow. Pregnancy, prophecy, promises. Luke launches us into a story 2,000 years ago as we are people waiting for Christ to return. Waiting for Christ to redeem the world, to redeem us, to redeem our enemies, to redeem our broken minds and bodies. And here, we find a wonder that holds us gently and a wonder that bursts forth ready to be made flesh again a hope and a wonder that might just leave us impregnated with God's self. So today there's a few things I want us to just talk about and look into because I think it's... None of us can come to this story and not be amazed, right? I mean, the first thing, and, and I'll allude to this over and over again, but is simply how awestruck any of us would be or should be, by this story, right? Mary, upon learning that she's pregnant with the Son of God, is, my, I imagine, mind-numbingly awestruck, but she also does something immediately and decisively, as I mentioned. She hurries to see her pregnant relative, Elizabeth, who we're told in the story actually kept her pregnancy quiet for five months. Zechariah's not talking, Elizabeth's not talking, but something's happening. And for some reason, Mary has an itch to see Elizabeth. And you may have several reasons why you think this is the case. All I can assume is that Elizabeth is that special person who Mary processes weird stuff with, right? You know, like that, that person when there's something weird going on, a medical marvel that you need to talk about, um, when your child is like eating rocks and you can't figure out how that's going to stop. Another one I was thinking about, for example, is like he, Mary and Elizabeth are the people that together do those deep dives into bachelor couples on whether they're still together, right? Like that's, that's them. And you may have a spouse or a parent or a partner or a friend, a coworker, someone who fills this role for you. And that's just what I, one of the things I think. But the, the key is, right, she, she can't send Elizabeth a text she can't send her a TikTok birth announcement. She certainly can't get on a quick flight to see her, and yet she hurries to get to Elizabeth. And what we know from the context around this story is that Elizabeth, as far as we know, has been waiting for a baby for her whole life, too. Or not to, but she has been. We read at the start of Luke that John and Elizabeth had no children because, or not John, I don't know what I was thinking there. Zechariah and Elizabeth had no children because Elizabeth was unable to become pregnant. They were very old. That's what it tells us. And I think we have to notice this for this story to make full sense, right? 
Because one of the things that you would know, and maybe, maybe the only reason that Elizabeth wants to get pregnant, is the reality is that she's probably been shamed. She's probably been looked down upon in this context because of the fact that she is unable to conceive. And I'm not sure there is another reason other than that why she's longing to have a baby, but she can't long anymore. And what she knows now is that she is anticipating the birth of a wild child. A child that jumps for joy inside of her. The one who actually prepares the way for Jesus himself. A birth story birthing another birth story. And now, out of wild coincidence, right? Elizabeth's Elizabeth's cousin is also unexpectedly pregnant. But in a vastly different state. I I don't think Mary asked for this pregnancy. She's about to bring forth the life of Emmanuel into this world. A young, unassuming, divinely pregnant peasant Jew. And it doesn't take long for her or for us, if we're paying attention, to see that God is up to something. Something that we would have drawn up quite a bit differently. And in Mary's song, which follows this text, we are supposed to take a hint if we are familiar with the biblical narrative. I know not all of us are, but the point is is that the hint is that Mary and Elizabeth actually remind us of the foremothers of Israel, of Sarah, who's who's impregnated out of barrenness, whose husband is Abraham, Hannah, who is impregnated out of barrenness and birthed Samuel, impossible without God. And from the beginning of this scene, we might just be in awe of the way that God has worked over all time in similar ways. And so really, we shouldn't be surprised. And if we're not surprised, we might be ready for God to do the same for us. Another beautiful reality in this passage, and I've already alluded to this a little bit, but is the reality that Sloan said, Mary is hurrying to see Elizabeth. And yet Elizabeth, right, as far as we know, has no idea what is going on, right? She's like, Mary's here, don't know what's going on. Like, I guess she's coming to say hi to me. Maybe she found out I was pregnant. And yet it's not Elizabeth, but a baby inside of her womb who recognizes the beauty. A leaping baby in her womb. I don't know, have, how many of y'all have felt a baby kick inside of, not, I'm not just talking to mothers, on the outside of a pregnant belly? That's right, pretty awesome. I will say, do not just go up to any pregnant woman and put your hand on their belly. Not a good idea. But the point is that leaping here inside of Elizabeth was an expression of pure joy that she didn't even know John in the womb could be experiencing, showing. And just imagine, John is leaping in his mother's womb with an unmatched vigor because he's in the presence of the Lord, who is also a baby in a womb. The baby alerts Elizabeth to something that she couldn't possibly know with her eyes or her ears, and yet wonder illuminates every part of her. 
I know I would like to think that Avery responded as John did when she heard my voice. I don't know if she did. But what's fascinating, right, is that at the leap, Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit. That's right, not at baptism, but through a baby. And I think if you haven't noticed, if you haven't noticed, there is something going on here, an overturning of the world, a tumbling inside of this mom that leads God to shine a spotlight on two women, lowly and shamed, who God has chosen to bring about the transformation of the world. And it's beautiful to read this because Elizabeth is the very first human being who recognizes the reality within Mary. An affirmation that the the angel Gabriel that showed up might just be right. This might just be possible. This is not a reality recognized by seeing a birth announcement or an ultrasound, but through the Holy Spirit jumping for joy inside of her. A baby who knows something that seems both unknowable and unfathomable. And I think the heart of what's happening inside of these women is something that a saint actually said um, from the Russian Eastern Orthodox Church. He writes, the Holy Spirit turns to joy, whatever he touches. The Holy Spirit turns to joy, whatever he touches. In in essence, the the Holy Spirit keeps us enlightened with wonder in a way that makes God available to us at all times and in every way. The second thing I want to key in on, uh, I'm going to nerd out for a second, so bear with me. There is a duality of pregnancy happening within Elizabeth. We got to see this. And this alludes to what can happen inside of us as well. Maybe not physically, but spiritually. A twofold wonder filled presence. In essence, she is both impregnated with a being, John, in the flesh, and through the Holy Spirit, she understands that this is Jesus in Elizabeth or in Mary's womb. An epiphany can be t- defined in two ways. I hope this is helpful. One is the manifestation of a divine or supernatural being. And the second is a moment of sudden revelation or insight. So what I'm saying is that both Mary and Elizabeth have epiphanic pregnancies. Moments where they actually see the supernatural manifested. And they also realize who Jesus will be. It's fascinating. But it's cool, y'all. I'm telling you, just... Bear with me. We see this epiphany affirmed and proclaimed in Elizabeth's words for the rest of this snapshot. And this is important. Elizabeth, all of a sudden, right, we've talked about how she's filled with the Holy Spirit. The next line says, with a loud voice, she blurted out. I love that language, right? She blurted out. All of us know someone in our life who blurts out, right? Constantly. Um, You've probably had a moment like this too, right? And I'm not going to dwell on the bad moments. There's been many bad times where you blurt out something, I'm sure. But an example would be like your team has won the championship. You're holding a baby for the first time. 
you're riding a bike for the first time, you're looking at your first Texas sky, you're graduating and throwing that odd hat in the air, right? Like, there's these moments where you just can't help but be joyful. And Elizabeth, in her heart and soul, knew what wasn't visible to the eye, and she couldn't let it go without saying something. And so she says, God has blessed you above all women, and he has blessed the child you carry. Elizabeth not only confirms and affirms the supernatural experience that Mary has, but what we have to remember, and I pointed to this earlier, is the reality that she doesn't just affirm Mary, but she overturns all social expectations. She overturns all social expectations. I know the church addresses this some, but this is a huge deal. Mary is an unmarried, pregnant Jewish teenager. She is probably expecting social judgment, shame, and maybe even ostracism, even as she's going to Elizabeth, someone that she might trust. Yet Elizabeth knows from her own experience, this is different. She knows how it feels to be shamed and excluded for being infertile. And she also sees that this pregnancy that could bring shame actually brings joy that is only possible with God. And Elizabeth does something that's so powerful. She welcomes Mary in the same way that Jesus welcomes us with an extravagant, inclusive love that Jesus will show prostitutes, tax collectors, sinners, and all of the world. Elizabeth shows us that a wonder-filled presence and posture is that of seeing beyond a situation and seeing the ways that God's love is actually at work amongst brokenness and messiness. And Elizabeth's posture frees up Mary to fulfill her purpose. This is really fascinating. I, somebody uh, framed this, I think, really well. One of the pastors I've talked to before said, one way I have, have, have learned to see this is that Elizabeth's joy by the Holy Spirit actually unlocks Mary's lips. She needed the wonder of Elizabeth, and it allows Mary to fully trust in the baby that is in her womb. The blessing of Elizabeth is all she needs to burst into song. And Elizabeth's baby in the womb is making noise that alerts us to that while Zechariah is still locked up. His voice is not needed. The only voices that are needed are two women delighting and experiencing the love of God. What was impossible for men was possible with God. Two moms experiencing the culmination of of the Holy Spirit. Now you may be thinking, uh, this story is beautiful, but what does it have to do with us moving forward? What does it have to do with us living in wonder and continuing to prepare for the Holy Spirit to work right now and for Jesus to return and redeem us? I got you. The first thing Elizabeth teaches us is that we have to remember the strangeness of the wonder of God. If we hold on to that in the coming year, we might actually respond in the way of Christ toward things and people that seem strange to us. 
Like Elizabeth, God has given us the gift of the Holy Spirit to reshape, revision, and grant us wisdom to actually provide grace to others who may be mere Mary's own story more than ours. A point to give us courage to move towards understanding rather than blame, to kinship in God's name rather than potential shame. Should choose to know the persons around us than to make excuses to gossip about them, avoid them, or despise them. And this is the heart as we move towards the end. The second thing that I think we have to parse out as we're working through this story revolves around two questions that I think Mary and Elizabeth excel at responding to. The first of which is, what type of wonder is God birthing in you? What type of wonder is God gifting to you? What type of wonder is God bringing to you? And the second question is, what is the wonder you're naming, affirming, or seeing in those around you? Have you opened yourself up to notice God in those around you? This is important because the heart of living a life of wonder with God revolves around our willingness to encounter the strangeness and wonder of God together. Now, um, I stumbled upon this quote, and I couldn't help but use it. There's a guy uh, who's a pastor whose name's Andrew Whaley. No relation to Jason Whaley, I don't think. But he speaks to the heart of what I think on January 1st, our church, our world as Christians needs to hear. He writes something so specific about what we must take away from Mary and Elizabeth. And I'll break it down more. He says, Elizabeth has something to teach those in the church who have lived out tradition faithfully, who would say they've encountered the living God in it. She shows us that those in positions of elder wisdom can celebrate the gifts of the young and encourage their prophetic witness to God's work in the world. Instead of recoiling in fear and defensiveness when a new generation sees God's will at work in new ways. And Mary has something to teach the young in the church. That they are the inheritors of a story that they should learn to love and value rather than to reject and abandon. When they see God working in new and expansive ways, they should seek to proclaim the message in continuity with the faithfulness God has shown to the church through its history. All of us in some capacity are Mary and Elizabeth in our lives. And this is the key final thing he says. Whaley writes, it's only together, Elizabeth with Mary, that the past and future come together in the present as prophetic witness. It is only together. Elizabeth and Mary show us a humble, wonder-filled way only possible with God. A God who brings forth a boy that is both God and man through the most unexpected, messy labor story. They teach us what it looks like to wonder and to uplift looking backwards and forwards. The shared celebration of the two births actually 
in both similar and different circumstances teach us as a church. They teach us as a church who struggles to celebrate the continuities and discontinuities of our experience, the things that we know of and the things we've heard secondhand. And it allows the Holy Spirit to help us learn from them. It equips us and it inspires us. That is what delight looks like moving forward. Because the God who works across time brings together the past and the future of God with us in faithful and tangible ways that help us to relate across divides that feel like chasms. We need one another. We need one another to know and name where God is birthing new life in and around us. Especially when many of our brothers and sisters occupy different social, economic, spiritual, and physical locations. The question is, are we willing to free ourselves up enough to let the Spirit leap for joy in us? To unlock a feeling within us that allows us to follow Jesus into what's next and to possibly follow or lead others into a foretaste of the kingdom, even if it's not what we planned or what we wanted? Are we willing to follow a king who reigns in counter-cultural ways? A king who's here to reconcile the world, not as we would have it, but as God would have it. It is through these two women God chooses to save the world. We must cling to the delight and wonder of these babies born only by the power of God. Will you, will we participate in that reality is the question. The practice and wonder of Mary and Elizabeth, I think, teach us two things that we can just practice so simply. One is, in this year, we need to remain in God's presence, but not alone. We need to remain in God's presence with one another. Reading scripture together, praying together, small group together, Bible class together, school together, meals together, tough talks together. And the second is not separate from it, but we need to do the good. We need to interact with our world and care for people around us. It will not save the world, but it will set us up to see the wonder of God around us and to see when that Holy Spirit might just be ready to leap for joy within us. As we close this morning, I want to ask our communion servers to go ahead and go and grab the elements. Today we have a choice, right? We have a choice to be in the habit of wonder. And we live in a moment of where we're, pres- we're presented here with a baby Jesus that we know reigned as a nonviolent king. A king who resisted the powers of Rome and turned the world upside down. God acted through these babies on behalf of God's people. And I think one thing it reveals to us just as much as anything is that God is concerned with the realities of the daily lives of Jews like Mary, Joseph, Zechariah, Elizabeth, and the boys in their wombs as refugees in a world of deep suffering. And God acts today and will act in the future in the same way. He will free the oppressed. 
He will fight against the prideful and the powerful. God is the God of this last moment, of this moment, and the moment to come. We know this, and if we've been in church, we know that God's salvation is present throughout Jesus's story. It starts at the moment with the angel before Mary, and it ends at the cross, and you know who was there too? Mary. It was at that moment that she realized fully that Gabriel was right, that Jesus was who she thought he was. It looked weird, it looked upside down, and yet that was Jesus. The God who ushered himself into this world. These stories of pregnancy and prophecy invite us to let wonder lead us into a posture of overthrowing and overturning the things that try to quench our awe. And God points us to a wonder that may be outside of our comprehension, but it's well within our reach. Thanks be to God who loves us and gave us Jesus in the form of a child, but who reigned as a king.